If you, uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 4, um, if you're a regular here, you'll know that we uh, actually are just starting a, a, a series on Ephesians, which Mark Hendley uh, did a fantastic job of setting the scene for about two, three or four weeks ago, was it? When he spoke and he was teaching on being camped at the gates of hell and, uh, and getting glory. And um, I actually wasn't given a passage to preach from. Um, I was given freehand, but God spoke to me through Ephesians, so I'm going to speak on Ephesians anyway, and I'm probably stealing someone else's passage, and I'm, I'm very sorry in advance to whoever you are. I didn't, look, I didn't want to look because I didn't want to find out who I was sinning against, so. <laughs> but I'm sorry for stealing your thunder. Well, maybe you'll do a better job of it than I do. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, t- tomorrow is a really significant day for me, the 7th of August. Um, tomorrow it will be 23 years since I became a Christian. Yeah. I'm running out of time. Don't clap. Don't clap everything I say, please. <laughs> On the 7th of August 1994, I gave my life to Jesus right at the beginning of the Toronto Blessing in the New Frontiers Church in Swanley. Um, some of, actually, some of you? Yeah, you, yeah, there's one person who was there. There you go. Wow. Um, I'm now 46, which means I've been following Jesus for as long as he was pursuing me. That's kind of cool, isn't it? But I joined New Ash Green Community Church a couple of months later because it was kind of where I lived, so it seemed to make sense. And I've been a part of this church because that's now this church. Um, I've been a part of this church ever since. So we've been through a meeting in New Ash Green, through to Longfield, a meeting in Northfleet Tech for a few years just over there. And we joined up with Hope, Hope Church, Living Hope Church, sorry, thank you. Um, and, uh, and now we're here in this great building. So, yeah. I said I was going to preach on Ephesians 4. In fact, it's actually worth looking at the last verse of Ephesians 3, verse 20. As it says there, I'll just read it, that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that's at work in us. And that's true. I mean, 23 years ago, I never would have imagined that I would be involved in something which is changing the culture of a whole nation, like Faroe Islands, because that's what we're doing, you know? (laughs) The, The guy's now on the radio, and people are phoning him up from other islands that he's never met and saying... I need healing, and I heard I got hope when I heard you on the radio. Please, will you pray for me? And then getting healed, isn't that amazing? You know, we're we're actually impacting that nation. You know, and it's great for me because it's a nation so close to my heart. So obviously, it means a lot to me. But and I also never imagined that New Ash Green Community Church back then would become Eastgate. You know, a place like this, where it's just it astounds me. I pinch myself all the time. <laughs> Am I dreaming? God is doing something so significant. We're having such an impact on the area that we live in, aren't we? And you know, church was never like that when I became a Christian. <laughs> and um, actually, we're not just impacting this area. We're impacting other nations. We're impacting Europe. You know? and, like, and like Simon Hanley said, we're only just getting started. Um, I mean, we've got a 40-year vision to become a regional catalyst for um, the kingdom of God in this region, right? And that's, that's so much more than what I was dreaming of. That's so much more than a dream come true, you know. It's, it's more than I could have asked or imagined. So, so it's true. I don't know where you got involved in this journey or when you got involved in this church's journey. Um, I mean, there are others here who've probably been coming even longer than me. I, maybe one or two. Um, has anyone, anyone longer than 23 years? Yeah, one, two, three, that's quite a few of you. Some of you from Near Ash Green or Near Ash Green Church. Some of you from Living Hope. I think I saw, yeah, a couple of you, yeah, a couple of you down there. How many of you have been coming here for less than one year? That's quite a few. Less than two years? Keep your hands up if you're one year as well. Two years, three years, three years. 
There's quite a lot of you, so there's quite a lot that have joined more recently. What, I'm interested, what is it that attracted you to come to Eastgate? Shout out, go on. If you've been here less than three years, what? The presence of God, yeah. Anything else? Your, your wife, yeah. Yeah, I, I, can, I can relate to that. The reason I actually went to Swanley Church was because I was chasing a girl, I have to be honest. <laughs> Go on, what, what else brought you here? Let's move, let's move on quick. What else brought you here? I'm going, I'm going really red now. <laughs> it's not the girl I'm now married to as well. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> she was only 11 at the time. No, I'm going now. <laughs> what else? What else attracts you? What, what else made you come here? What, what is, the culture? Oh, excellent! I, I think many things draw us to a church, right? But when God began to move in power in Bethel, we sent our elders at the time, Dave, Pete, Jim Hunter, over to Bethel to kind of spy out the land and find out what was going on because we heard there was lots of miraculous stuff going on there, right? And, uh, and when they came back, their report was this. I hope I'm getting this right, but we went there seeking miracles, but we came back fascinated by the culture, right? Because the culture is the culture of heaven, and um, that's the thing that sustains the miraculous. Having the culture of heaven is what sustains the miraculous. That's really the thrust of what I'm teaching about this morning, okay? That's the thing that hosts the presence of God and sustains the miraculous, okay? Um, So whatever brought you here, I'm, I'm willing to bet that the culture is a significant part of what keeps you here. Am I right? Yeah. So what do I mean by culture? I mean kind of the way we think. I mean how we do things here. I mean how we behave towards one another. I mean what, what we define as normal behavior in our environment. Kind of what we typically do naturally in any situation. That's what your culture is, really. It's not what you say it is. It's what you do, right? So why is it that having heaven's culture sustains the miraculous manifestations that we see here? I think it's this, right? The more we look like heaven, the more heaven wants to be with us. The more heaven is attracted to us, okay? So I believe that's the, 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 the secret, the essence of this culture lies in this passage, which is probably very familiar to you. So, so let's, let's have a look. Ephesians, well, actually, at the end of Ephesians 3, as I said, it says, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. And then in Ephesians 4, verse 1, he goes on to say, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. So it's like this, right? Through God's power, he is at work in you. He's able to do impossible things, unimaginable things, amazing things. Note that it says he's able to. It doesn't say he will, okay? So live your life in such a way that he will do it through you. Yeah, I urge you. Don't miss it. That's what Paul's saying here, right? We have this huge potential in him. There's so much he's wanting to do, waiting to pour out on us, wanting to give us. So let your life be lived so that you position yourself to receive it, right? That's what I think he's saying here. So what does that kind of life look like? Well, we read on, you know, how do we do this? Read on in verse 2. It says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And the unity of the spirit is the thing that's leapt out at me here, okay? The, the unity of the spirit, right? This isn't some earthly unity. Paul's not saying we need to try and get along with each other better, right? 
Now, this is something of the Spirit. It's something that can't be done with human effort alone. I mean, what, what is the kingdom of God? Right? This is the culture of the kingdom. What is the kingdom? Romans, 14, Romans 14, 17. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, right? In the Holy Spirit. If it's not in the Holy Spirit, it's not the kingdom. It's like Mark said a few weeks ago, the Spirit of God moving equals the kingdom of God. Right? That's what he said. So once you understand what this culture looks like, you'll actually see that it can't be achieved apart from God. It has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. So let me explain. In the next few verses, Paul talks about the oneness that is in God. And he, and he really lays it on thick. And in verse 4, um, there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is Father all. One family in him, right? This one, 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 one. We are one, okay? <laughs> this family oneness is where our unity comes from. But though we're all one, we're not all the same. Okay? If, 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 if we were united because we were all the same, because we were all alike, right? the world can imitate that. I mean, that, that's what happens actually out there. We naturally look for people who look and think and act like we do. You know, as our good friend Danny Silk says, we surround ourselves with ourselves. Yeah? We tend to gather around people who are like us, and actually we're naturally suspicious or even scared of people who are different than us, right? That's how the world does things. And we're living in days where that behavior is on the increase. You know, as the, as the level of fear is increasing, people are becoming more divisive with what's going on in the world at the moment. And this kind of thinking is shaping the culture and the world around us. Right? The papers in this country seem obsessed with the issue of immigration, right? which is really about wanting to keep out all the people who are different to us because we're scared of them, right? And, and, and Donald Trump, whatever, whatever you think about him, okay, I'm not doing it down, but Donald Trump, whatever you think about him, um, he won in America because he wants to protect American interests first, right? It's all about looking after the people who are like us and keeping out the scary people who aren't like us, right? So, so in the world, the only way you can be one is to all be alike, all right? But that's not how the kingdom works, okay? It's, the unity of the Spirit is not about all being alike. Although we're all one in Christ and there's this one, you know, one God, one Spirit, one, big, one family, right? The, uni- the new unity of Spirit operates through the bond of peace. So it says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Right? The gospel of Christ is a gospel of reconciliation, of bringing together things that are not alike, bringing them all together under one head, even Christ, right? So in Galatians 3.28 says, There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Okay? In Christ, God has made peace between every opposing faction in the world. Right? Jews and Gentiles, right? slaves and free men, men and women have been brought to peace in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, in verse 7 of the passage, Paul goes on to say that through the Spirit... Christ has given each one of us a unique grace gift of our own. Okay, so verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. I love how the message version of the Bible translate this, translates this. Because it fits my sermon. Now, uh, <laughs> no, it says, but, but that doesn't mean you should all look and speak and act the same. Actually, that's how the message translate this, translates this. Okay. And then in verse 11, he goes on to talk about the different gifts that he's given to the body, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. And if you've heard Danny speak on this, you'll realize how vastly different they are, or if you've actually met any of them. Um, 
And in 1 Corinthians 12, there's a whole lot of other gifts mentioned as well. So they did, this is not an exhaustive list of gifts, but you know, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Actually, I could have preached this message on 1 Corinthians 12 as well, because the same kind of thrust comes through. So in 1 Corinthians 12:4, he says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. So it's one spirit, yeah. And then in 12 verse 11, it says, all these, the gifts, are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Okay, so here's the good news. You are one with the whole body of Christ. If you're in Christ, you're one with the whole body of Christ, but you are completely unique and you are completely free to be you. You don't have to fit the mold. Okay, this. Yeah. This body is so diverse, so full of variety that there's no way that we could possibly hold it together without the work of God at the center of it, without the culture of the kingdom underpinning it. Right? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom to be yourself. To be just who God created you to be. But that same spirit brings unity among all this variety and all this difference. Okay? Are you following? Yep, yep. So this is the heart of God. He gathers himself for people who are so wide-ranging. They come from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. Different ethnicities, different cultures, different languages, different gifts, different strengths and weaknesses. And each one of them is totally unique. Each one is walking out their faith in their own unique way that only they can do. But we're all united together in Christ as one body, giving glory to God as one, right? So John 13:35 says, well, actually... It says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Okay? So the, the world can't do this. And they're meant to see us on display it and say, this can only be the work of God. Right? By this, the world will know that you are my disciples, that you love each other. You're together as one. Okay? If you take the presence and the power of God away from it, you try and do it without the Holy Spirit, all you're left with is dead religion, which says we have to be alike. We have to fit a mold. So how do we build this culture? And we are building it, by the way. We're doing great. Um, it's, it's a work of the Spirit, okay? Like I said, it's you know, um, the unity of the Spirit. But it's not passive. Okay, so we don't, we don't just sit back and let the Holy Spirit do it all. Oh, look, we're all one. This is great. <laughs> At the beginning of this passage, it says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, right? It's, it's hard work, right? We're co-laboring with God. In 1 Corinthians 15... Verse 10, Paul says, I worked harder than all the other apostles, right? It's about hard work. But he said, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me, okay? We, you, you have to put in effort. But when you and God push in the same direction, we can move mountains. We can make amazing things happen, okay? So what is it we're working at? How are we doing this? In, in Ephesians 4, going back to Ephesians 4, now to verse 15, it says, instead... Next verse. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow into him, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So the speaking the truth in love, right? Speaking, the key to relationship, the key to oneness and relationship is communication, okay? Then there's truth in here. I, Honest communication, okay? And love, love is the glue. And again, it says from him the whole body built itself up in love. Love is the key thing here, right? 
On that 1 Corinthians 12 passage I was mentioning, you know, it's talk about one spirit, many gifts functioning in one body. Yeah? At the end it then goes on to say, verse 31 says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. And what comes after that? What, after, the end of, after 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13. What's it all about? Love, right? The way we do this is love. Love is the glue that makes this work. So it's no coincidence that one of the key message, uh, ministries at the heart of shaping and communicating Bethel's culture is called loving on purpose. Right? They've, picked, they've, they've caught this, haven't they? Right? And what's their signature message? Keep your love on. Right? Love is the glue that holds the kingdom culture together. Love creates the bond of peace that means we can be different and still be united. Even when we disagree, this is really important because we don't have to agree to have unity. All right? If we are free to be totally unique, then it goes without saying that each one of us has a very unique perspective. So no two people are going to see things completely the same. Yeah? Wherever there is diversity, there will always be disagreement and difference. Okay? How could it not be when we're in a church of what, six, seven hundred people? Let alone a church of thousands like Bethel. You, you, you couldn't possibly agree on everything. I mean, especially if your culture values freedom like ours does, right? You just couldn't do it. I mean, I, I spend most of my life living alongside just one person. My wife, Jo. Um, let me give you a profound re- revelation about our marriage. Okay. You ready? We don't agree on everything. <laughs> If you're married, you'll know what I mean, if you're really honest. I mean, some days it feels like we don't agree on anything, does it, love? <laughs> That's my fault as much as theirs, don't worry. <laughs> but look, agreement isn't the answer. It can't be the answer, because it just wouldn't work, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. If you try and do this... Oh, sorry, I'm just running out of time, and I'm just thinking what I can, what I can cull here without losing the sense of what I'm trying to say. We, we need to be able to disagree and stay united, right? If, if you're not allowed to disagree, you're not allowed to think, okay? You're not allowed to think for yourself, okay? Have you ever heard people say that Christians are brainwashed? Yeah, it's, it's a lie, isn't it, right? Our minds are meant to be washed with the blood of Jesus, just as much as any other part of us, but I hope you realize that doesn't mean we're meant to be brainwashed, okay? If, I mean... If someone asks you why you believe what you believe, can you give them a clear answer? Have you, have you thought it through or have you learned to think from what you've been taught by other people? Because religion doesn't teach us how to think, right? It doesn't teach us how to think. It teaches us what to think. It teaches us to, be, to conform, to be the same as everyone else. This is what you need to think, okay? We, that's no good. We can't, we can't live with that. Pete you ever struggled with this thought? I have struggled with this thought, so I, I feel qualified to say this. If you ever struggled with this thought, I'm not creative. Anyone, anyone else struggle with that? I'm not creative? Not many of you. Oh, well, there's just confession time, isn't it? <laughs> it's a lie, right? So let's just laugh at that. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're all created in his image, and he's the creator. But I had this revelation just thinking about this this week maybe one reason i struggle with creativity is because i've just got out the habit of thinking for myself (sighs) you know 
Maybe I'm just used to taking what someone else is thinking, you know? And Romans 12.2 talks about the renewing of the mind. Being brainwashed is not the same thing as having a renewed mind, okay? A renewed mind, a renewed mind should be having the most profound thoughts of all, right? We have the mind of Christ. We should be thinking more and better than everybody else. We should be the best at this, shouldn't we? Right? We've got God living inside us. So as God speaks to us, we should be the ones thinking of, well, the solutions to the world's problems. You know, we, sh- we should be solving global warming. We should be solving food crisis. We should be solving the health issues of the world. Right? That's the kingdom of God at work. Because God partners with us in our imagination and our mind and gives us the ideas that change things. Okay? So let me ask you, do you read the Bible for yourself? Or do you rely on what someone else is telling you it says? Right? This is the key to this, I think. Um, I mean, if your only exposure to the Bible is, well, let's say your only exposure to the Bible this week is this sermon. I, I mean, it's better than nothing. But I, I'm, I'm kind of worried. If, that's, if your only exposure to the Bible is me talking to you now, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, teaching is really important. But, but this book, this book can speak to you about your purpose, your future, your inheritance, your legacy, your, your, your eternal destiny lies within the pages of this book, right? And the Holy Spirit. Are you really willing to trust my interpretation of that? Or do you think maybe you should go for yourself and talk to God with it? <laughs> Let me challenge you. If you don't do this already, and I'm sure most of you do, don't rely on second-hand revelation, as good as it is, right? Get alone with this book and the Holy Spirit and let God shape your thoughts. Let God teach you how to think. Okay, that's my challenge. So anyway, it's through love this diverse body of unique people are able to have their own thoughts, even to disagree, and yet remain united as one. Okay? How? Well, love has to be more important to us than agreeing. So how do we handle our disagreements, our differences with each other in love, with love? As I said in verse 15, it's speaking the truth in love. This is such a vital ingredient of kingdom culture. If we can get this right, we can handle these inevitable disagreements that arise and these differences that we have and still come together as one. So speaking the truth in love is really about healthy confrontation. Healthy confrontation, okay? Confrontation done right is a normal part of kingdom culture. Typically, people get this wrong in one of two ways. Okay? Number one, not speaking at all. Okay? Not speaking the truth in love, just not speaking. Okay? Thinking, well, you know, love covers over a multitude of sins. So, you know, avoiding confrontation. Some people find confrontation difficult. I think a lot of people find confrontation difficult. They're worried about how the other person's going to react. They're, they don't like hurting people's feelings. You know, don't get me wrong, sometimes that is the right thing to do. You know? if, if, if someone's having a bad day, give them some grace. Let it roll, you know? <laughs> that, that can be love too. Don't confront everything. The point is, that this is about creating connection and intimacy with people. Actually letting them know what's going on inside you and how their behavior affects you. So that they can understand you better, so that you can make adjustments for the sake of your relationship. Okay? If you never confront your differences with others or express your different opinions, you're actually not letting them see the real you. And you're missing an opportunity to create mutual understanding and intimacy in relationship. Okay? 
If you can't be transparent, what will actually happen is resentment will come in and that will harm your connection. And actually that will cause a disconnect to open up between you. So avoiding confrontation leads to worse relationships in the end. It just bottles up and then, bam, explodes. And if you can't be honest with others about what's going on inside you, can you really call your relationships real relationships? It's not really a relationship, is it? If you're not, if you're not open and intimate with people. Yeah? So that's one, you know, not speaking at all. The other, or the other polar opposite, really, is if we do speak up, is speaking the truth, but kind of forgetting about the love bit. This is probably more like me, to be honest. Well, while some people struggle with conf- confrontation, other people struggle not to confront. <laughs> they are serial confronters, finding fault with everything, unlovingly pointing out every minor flaw in other people's behavior, like, like the Pharisees a bit. This isn't the kind of thing I'm advocating, okay? Again, this doesn't create connection. It creates friction and conflict, okay? So... Really, what it means, our attitude in confrontation needs to be right, if we're going to do it right. It needs to be done in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's in the Holy Spirit, okay? Remember, the whole Ephesians 4 passage starts with, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, okay? Humility, gentleness, patience, love, long-suffering, bearing with one another. They sound kind of like the fruit of the Spirit, don't they? So we need to be doing this for the sake of the unity of the body, not to score points against each other, not to poke at niggles. You know, our heart needs to be right, really. So when we come to do this, ask the Holy Spirit what's in your heart. It says the Holy Spirit searches our hearts. Don't do this out of emotion or an emotional reaction. Be intentional, not reactive when you confront. Okay? And also, we need to be speaking to the right person. Okay? If you're sharing openly about how someone else's behavior is affecting you, make sure it's them you're sharing it with, not someone else, because that is not speaking the truth in love. That is gossiping. Okay? And that's not going to create intimacy and connection. That's going to create division. It's not going to create the unity of the spirit. It's actually going to create division in the body, and that can cause a lot more serious problems, can't it? So giving and receiving feedback in a healthy environment is really important for our growth. If we can create a culture where loving and open communication is normal and valued, expected even, we create opportunities for the body to grow. It's not easy. It doesn't always feel comfortable, but it's really helpful. It's the, it's the way to build this culture. If you want to know more about practical tools for doing that, I want to recommend to you um, get, the, get the series Brave Communication by Dan Farrelly. Uh, you can download that from Bethel's website. It's pretty cheap. I downloaded it, MP3. Um, you can also read Keep Your Love On, Danny Silk's book. That's got some really good practical tools in there as well. But look, this isn't just about how we handle stuff when we don't get along and when we disagree, is it? Okay? The culture of heaven is actually really about knowing each other and being known. And as we get to know one another, we realize the value in our differences. It says in verse 16, the whole body grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. If you, if you actually step back and observe how each part of the body does its work, you'll be amazed. I mean, look at the team I took to the Pharaohs, okay, back in June. Alan Cass. Do you know, you know Alan Cass? He is amazing. Apostolic guy. I mean, he brings an open heaven wherever he goes. 
You know, he leads people into encounters in a way that I dream of doing. You know, I love watching that guy work. He just opens up situations. The Holy Spirit speaks to him and he cracks it up. It's amazing. Mark Hendley. Wow. <laughs> what a teacher. I mean, his brain is like a catalogue of biblical knowledge. Any of, you, any of you watch BBC Sherlock? Not many of you. Yes, some of you. He's, Mark's got a mind palace to rival Sherlock's, you know. It's amazing how he just pulls out this information, you know. Martin Steele. Oh, my. <laughs> I mean, this morning. <laughs> we got, you've heard of the laughing policeman. He's like the laughing worship leader, isn't he? It's great. <laughs> but he's a father. He's got the heart of God in spades. And, and just, you just feel loved when he's around you, don't you? You know, and he, he laughs and the kingdom comes. It's amazing. And, and his wife, Frances, very different personality. But and, and her, when you get to know her one-to-one, the care and, in, and, and interest she takes in every individual is just astonishing. I, 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 I wish I was more like that when I am talking to people. She just is so attentive. And I just, when she talks to you, you just feel like she's so interested in everything that you've got to say. It's just a wonderful gift. It just makes me feel so loved and cared for, you know. Um, Elaine Patience, she was playing the violin Wow, when she plays the violin, does heaven come or what? You know, she played the violin at Stoney when Wendy Virgo was reading out the names of the nations. And when she got to Faroe Islands, you know, God really hit me. And I think that actually birthed in me what has then gone on to happen in the Faroe Islands many years ago. So what was going on here? I'm, we're learning to appreciate and honor one another. You know, calling out the gold in each other. So we no longer see our differences as a threat. We see them as a strength. Right? So, when we partner with God to create the unity of the Spirit in the body of Christ, which is the culture of heaven, what is the outcome? God first spoke to me about sharing this message when I was reading Bill Johnson's book, God is Good. And that's not the page I was looking for. It's, uh, neither is that. Oh, okay. Oh, there we are. Um, he's reading a quote from Chronicles here. It's it's funny, we were singing about this this morning as well, weren't we? It came even to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord so that priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Please note that the priests were offering the fruit of the lips, see Hebrews 13:15, as an offering. While this happened in the Old Testament, it is clearly a New Testament practice, interesting, as the law required the sacrifice of animals from the priests, not praise. Secondly, notice that the priests were in unity. Remember that the 120 believers in Acts chapters 1 and 2 were also in unity before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit took place. God once again put his glory upon a united people. See Psalm 133. God loves to manifest himself upon his people when we're known for our love of each other. The unity of the Spirit always results in the outpouring of God's glory. Like Mark said the other week, the key to thriving when you're camped at the gates of hell is living in God's glory. Right? There's a pattern forming here. The whole book of Ephesians, actually, Mark said, is really a letter about God's glory. As I said at the beginning, the more we look like heaven, 
the more heaven wants to be with us, the more we will see his glory among us. Like Samuel Hani said, we're just getting started. But where are we headed? Habakkuk 2.14 says this, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Filled with the glory. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. That's where we're headed, folks. A bit of glory on a Sunday morning is great, but there's more coming. And God's heart is to pour out his glory more and more and more. We, we have an opportunity to play a part in bringing this prophecy to fruition, don't we? We are called to be transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18, from one degree of glory to another. So are we going to live our lives in a way that positions us to fulfill this calling? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that was three of you. Try again. So are we going to live our lives in a way that positions us to fulfill this calling, to get his glory? Come on, are we? Are we going to give ourselves to the pursuit of his glory? What are we willing to lay down to see this culture preserved and increased so that we see as much of his glory in this place as he wants to pour out? It's already more than I could have asked or imagined, but we're only getting started, aren't we? Shall we just stand?